Welcome to episode two of FinTech Mix, a specialist podcast where we try to lift the lid on the FinTech industry by speaking to the people who make it tick. I'm your host, Nat Barker, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Catherine Strachan, who is the founder and managing director of Copyhouse. Catherine, thanks very much for taking the time out of what I gather is a very busy schedule to speak with us. How are things? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're speaking to me from Edinburgh, is that right? Correct. Yeah, sunny Edinburgh up in Scotland. We're based in Edinburgh, but we work with clients who are based in London and Europe. So we operate more on a time zone model rather than a physical location. It almost feels like these days, you know, where you're actually based is less important. Yeah, it's a lovely city, Edinburgh, one of my favorite places. Could I employ some kind of Sherlock Holmes-like skills of deduction and and surmise that you're not originally from Edinburgh? (laughs) Very good reasoning. No, I'm not originally from Edinburgh. I'm originally from the United States. I'm from a little place called Maine, but I've been in the UK now since 2013. My husband's Scottish, which is how I ended up here originally. But we used to live in London, so we lived in London for the first four or five years and then moved up here about three years ago. Okay, and can you tell me a little bit about Copy House and how it all started? Yes, sure. So Copy House is a content marketing agency specializing in fintech. So we work with some really exciting brands like Klarna, Form3, Payment World doing all sorts of very interesting things. We've got a lot of expertise in things like open banking, blockchain, digital payments, international currency and money exchange. Yeah, and Copyhouse started from my freelance copywriting business. So I was a freelance copywriter. And then two years ago tomorrow, I set up Copyhouse and we've grown tremendously over the last two years. So now we've got a team of nine and I'm not even involved in the day-to-day content creation anymore. So now I'm the managing director and I oversee the sales and the vision and the culture for Copyhouse. So I'm responsible for leading us forward and supporting our really amazing, very skilled team who, yeah, creates content and handles the clients and the delivery and does all of that and it's really yeah it's been a been a really amazing journey and what was it that made you realize that there was space for a kind of copywriting business that was specifically aimed at the sort of fintech tech industry i guess i saw a gap in the market so i know lots of really excellent agencies but i've never really met an agency that does what we do which makes us really unique which is very attractive to fintech clients because as i always say you can't just wake up and write about blockchain it's not really that simple you know you have to have a base foundation of it it's very hard to create content in this space because not only do you have to understand the world of finance You also have to understand the way fintechs are disrupting that and the technology they use to do so. So it's a really complicated thing to write about, to try to come to grips with. So it's not something that you can just do overnight. So we have a team of copywriters who are all in-house. So we don't outsource any of our content. It's all done in-house by copyhouse trained copywriters. So we spend a lot of time investing and developing our team, building their strengths, finding people who have the right skill set. So our most recent hire came to us from the Financial Times. And now now we have to take his very great journalist skills and add SEO to them, teach him SEO and help him, you know, further his career by adding that expertise. Okay, that's great. And you, and you mentioned that you yourself, were, you were a, a freelance copywriter. Did you have a kind of background in in the financial world? 
Yes, kind of. So I've worked for Lloyd's before as a contractor when I was a freelancer, and I've worked on several big projects for other brands through agencies at the beginning of my career. But my interest in fintech really came from my master's. So I did a master's in modern literature. And during that time, you know, I was going after really complicated subjects like complex series of time in Alice in Wonderland or the psychosocial impacts of modern high rise and J.G. Ballard. And my expertise, I've always been a learner. So I've always gone after subjects that I didn't fully understand with the desire, the very keen hunger to understand them. So mass growing up was never my strong suit. The world of finance was way over my head. So I aggressively went after this industry because I wanted to understand it more and I wanted to come to grips with it. And now it's been, you know, four years, five years of working within FinTech. And I, yeah, I can say that I do understand and I can keep up when people are talking to me about open banking or digital payments and I can follow and have intelligent conversations now. Okay, well, that sounds great. You kind of mentioned, you know, the the need for the people who are writing content for you to kind of have this good understanding about the, the topics they're writing about. And, you know, do you think that's the sort of main challenge that you guys are, are facing in your sort of day-to-day as a business, you know, explaining what fintech companies do and that sort of thing and explaining what the issues at stake are in a kind of digestible and accessible way yeah i mean i think that's probably our client's biggest challenge is definitely you know communicating with their audience and helping raise awareness around emerging tech and around things that are different than perhaps a normal way of doing things and we certainly help them to do that as a business you know our biggest challenge tends to be just getting known because once people know that we're there you know they're very happy to have found us. Mm. And our other challenge as well is always hiring. So I'm always looking for the newest, latest talent because we don't outsource anything. It's all done in-house, which means that we have to constantly be recruiting and we've experienced really tremendous growth over the last six months. So I'm having to hire somebody, you know, basically all the time, which is exciting, but is also, yeah, a challenge to find the right people who have the right mentality the right values as well as you know the right hard skills yeah it's quite a specific kind of person i guess isn't it do you think that the fintech has an issue around you know explaining exactly what it is that these different companies do and you know do you think that there's a, a challenge there in terms of you know how they can do that a little bit better yeah i mean uh one thing that i see quite a lot is when you've spent years and years and years building and perfecting a technological solution it's very hard easy for in-house teams to get caught up in the features and the what it does and lose a customer in it. So one of the things that we're always talking to our clients about and that we always try to get them to refocus on is actually the end user's experience. So what is it that they actually care about? What are the things that they are so worried about that they are awake at 2 a.m. thinking about them? And then how can you position your product or your service to solve that pain point so that you can make a difference to people's lives, so you can build loyalty, so you can get them to convert immediately? And I think that customer gets lost a lot of the time. So, I mean, I speak to a lot of different fintechs throughout my week. And one of the things I normally always ask them is, do you have customer avatars? Do you have, you know, buyer personas? And I would say eight out of 10, you know, don't, they don't right away. And they haven't even perhaps, perhaps they have a very inkling of an idea of what that customer cares about, but they haven't taken the time to put it down on paper to, to really think about it, to dive, dig, dig beneath the surface and really fresh out those ideas and those insights. 
and then to align their marketing strategy to it. So I think perhaps, you know, it's not only about communicating what you do, it's making sure that what you communicate resonates with your audience. Yeah, that's really interesting. Is there any kind of particular project or anything like that, anything that you guys at Coffee House have worked on that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I mean, I'm proud of almost all of our work. One of our clients at the moment is Klarna. So Klarna are the highest valued fintech in Europe. And that's and where been... you buy, you pay for stuff in a series of installments, don't you? If you buy clothes online, you don't have to pay for it all up. up yeah, up. They, their strap line is buy now, pay later. But we work on their open banking front. So we help to promote their open banking division. And yeah, that's been a really exciting project. It's really great to work with such a well-known brand. Another really great story is our client Modular, who we've worked with for over a year and a half now. And when we first started working with Modular, you know, they weren't particularly well known. And over the last year and a half, you know, they've really become a name in the industry. So it's been really great to be part of that experience and to help, you know, contribute to it, even if it's in a small way. I can't take, obviously can't take all the credit for it, but it is, yeah, it's great to be part of FinTech's, you know, growth and to watch them rise and continue to really, you know, kick ass. Yeah, cool. And it kind of seems to me that, a, a bit of a common theme among different kinds of tech companies, not just fintech is, you know, they all kind of want to be striving to be different and being, being noticed and becoming something that people are aware of, but it can be quite difficult to be particularly eye catching when it's, it's kind of quite a crowded space. You know, there are so many of these tech companies and fintech companies that you see advertised on public transport and what have you. What are the sorts of things that you guys try to do to help these companies stand out? Yeah, well, I guess it's just about creating conversations and raising awareness about, you know, what they're doing and why it matters and how it can communicate and bring value to people's lives. So a lot of the times, you know, we're creating content on things that don't exist yet. So we do a lot of our content based on expert interviews and we interview people behind the scenes who wouldn't normally be involved in marketing. You know, most tech companies have really brilliant people within their teams, but these people are kind of shut off from the limelight, I guess I would say, because, you know, they're busy working on the products, they're busy building all the very technically brilliant features that the product does. And nobody ever really like, you know, takes their time to pull out the insights from them or to interview them for articles. So what we do is we just take 20, 30 minutes of their time and do an interview and then use their insights to create thought leadership content so the content we create is often on subjects that nobody's ever, you know, written about, or if they have written about, it's very jargon heavy, it's very dry, it's very boring. And we kind of take these insights and deliver them to the to an audience in a way that the audience is going to understand, and in a way that adds real value to what already exists out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, are you able to kind of? Can you talk me through your average day? Is there anything you're focused at the moment, you know, get up and then, and then what happens? Yeah. I mean, my day is always different. I mean, I've got a really great team of, of eight people. So we've got four in-house copywriters. We've got an account manager and a project manager and a marketing manager, and I've got a personal assistant. So I spend a lot of time with the team and I spend a lot of time doing networking. So I try to meet 50 new people a month and have meaningful conversations with all those people. 50 new people a month. Yeah. Five zero. I haven't met 50 new people in the last five years, I don't think. Yeah, I do it every month, but it's part of my new business, my sales strategy. You know, it's to build those connections and not to sell to all of them, obviously, but to build relationships and start conversations about 
content and why content's important and what people should be thinking about and kind of adding my expertise. I do one one speaking event a week at least, and then I do all oh, of our Catherine, sales. You're making as well. me feel like we're not special. <laughs> I'm just a bit of an overachiever. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to apologize for that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. It's okay. Yeah, I do a hell of a lot, and every day is kind of different. And yeah, I never really know what the day is going to throw at me, but I know that, you know, no matter what it does throw at me, I have a really great team who always has my back 100% without a doubt. And that's really, it's really powerful. Yeah. It, it sounds like you're a really busy person. I understand that you've got a, a young child as well. Is that right? I do. I have a daughter. She's three and a half. And, um, and how do you find that challenge of, you know, like balancing being, you know, the managing director of a, of a fast growing company with kind of family life? Yeah, I am very fortunate to have a very supportive husband. So my husband only works four days a week. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't work late. He never works long hours. He never works on weekends. And he's, he 100% has my back. So, you know, over the last year when I've been putting in 70, 80 hours to get coffee house through COVID and then to help us grow and scale during all this madness, he's taken over, you know, the childcare and the house and the cooking and the cleaning and all of it. So I can focus 100% on the business. So I feel like I almost can't take credit for that because I'm so fortunate to have somebody who does that for me so that I can focus on the business. And then, you know, when I surface at seven o'clock at night, dinner is waiting for me and I can have some time with my daughter before she goes to bed. Yeah. I mean, have you got any advice for anyone listening who's about, you know, about getting that balance right about somebody who you know wants to start their own business something like that but you know they're worried about getting that balance right you know especially sort of parents of young children and that sort of thing what would be your words of wisdom don't do what i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm probably not the best person to give advice on that because i do work you know my balance is not in balance i work a hell of a lot i probably work 70 80 hours a week so i don't have that balance try to have my team I try to encourage my team to have a healthy work-life balance so for them I make sure that they turn off slack after seven o'clock at night you can you know set notifications so that that's done you can ask for help so you know I recently got a personal assistant and that has changed my life because she helps me do a lot of the admin that I would have otherwise been working very late into the night to do so I guess it's you know asking for help and you know being able to delegate tasks. So I think a lot of people struggle to delegate their own workload, to ask other people for help, to get support where you need it. And, you know, when you do have time, it's perhaps not about, you know, spending lots and lots and lots of time, but spending really quality time. So, you know, I do special things with my daughter. I take her to the zoo. I, you know, do arts and crafts with her. I do things that just the two of us do. RuPaul is definitely one of those as well. We watch RuPaul every week. It's like a Monday <laughs> thing for us. She loves Ru. She says that she wants to be a doctor, a ballerina, and RuPaul when she grows up, which I am fully I supportive mean, of. That's an ambitious career path, isn't it? <laughs> I know. A ballerina, doctor, and RuPaul. Well, you know, I mean, the only problem is it's hard to get the work experience for all three, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And all at the same time. And yeah. they're all very demanding careers, I imagine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go back to something you just mentioned about, you know, sort of working culture at Copy House. And, you know, how important do you think that is as somebody who's starting your own business and kind of, you know, recruiting people and growing a team to how much time do you put into thinking about, you know, the culture of what you want it to be like and feel like to work at Copy House? A lot, a lot of time. My whole motto for this year is happy team, happy clients. So I want nothing more than my team to be happy. 
and you know for our clients to be happy as a result and i think if i get that right you know the rest will just fall into place so i spent a lot of time looking for different ways to make the team happy we recently launched an eap program last month where every team member will get an hour a month with a mental health expert a mental health provider so you know it's just a safe place for them to talk whether they're talking about the weekend or the weather or something deeper and more personal, it doesn't matter. It's a space for them to talk without feeling like they're, you know, perhaps burdening or stressing out or worrying their family, their support network. So I do a lot to take care of my team, both mentally and physically. And, you know, of course, we create so many opportunities for them to develop, you know, whether it's on the job training or new opportunities or, you know, outside training, I'm always kind of unlocking doors for them and looking for opportunities, not only for the company to grow, but for my team to grow. You know, I really want Coffee House to be a place where they can have really fulfilling, really rewarding careers and, you know, really the sky's the limit. So if they have a certain career path that they want to follow, I will make that happen for them. We have quarterly calls where we talk about their personal development and their career trajectory. And it, I see it very much as my job to make sure that they can achieve that. Are there any qualities you think you need to have to start a business, you know, grow a business out of the ground like you've done? Ruthless determination. Being really resilient is important. So, you know, when COVID happened, it was obviously really shitty. It was a really terrible time. You know, everybody was super stressed out. And rather than, you know, furloughing my team or making people redundant or any of that, you know, went out and fought and brought in new work to cover them so that we could always keep the team and we could bounce back. And that's actually, it's proved to be a good move for us, at least. I mean, I know it might not be for everyone, but that kind of resilience to keep going, even when the going gets tough, you know, you're gonna have bad days. You're gonna have days where you don't think that you're doing the right thing. You're gonna have days where you don't feel like you know what you're doing. And what is important is that you show up every single day and you keep going, you keep fighting, you keep pushing and never back down. Is there anyone who is working in the industry, anyone that you particularly admire or look up to? Yes, but they're not in fintech. So Spencer Gallagher from Agencynomics has had a really massive influence on my life and on Coffeehouse. So I read his book, Agencynomics, about a year and a half ago. And then I had the pleasure of meeting some of his team and then becoming part of the Agencynomics group. And now we work with Spencer every single month. And Spencer, he grew his agency to 5 million and then he sold it. And now he teaches other agencies how to do the same. So he works with us to help me, you know, see what I should do, help me get the right systems in place, help me understand everything from when I should hire somebody to what next month's sales pipeline looks like. And that kind of visibility has been really important through all of the chaos and the uncertainty of the last year that visibility and that clarity and that direction has really helped refine and shape, you know, what I had already wanted to do. So he's helped us get in a really strong place. So yeah, I guess I really look up to him. Two years ago, you said that uh, Coffee House was founded. Is that right? Yep. Two years ago tomorrow. It's our birthday. So, We're having uh, well, happy uh, birthday. birthday drinks tonight. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what do you think the next two years hold? Oh, geez. I have no idea because I feel like the last two years has been a decade and, you know, I've got some big, plans for coffee house so at the moment we're hiring graphic designer because we're going to start expanding our services we've built a really comprehensive department around content but i want to start expanding into design and expanding into new territories so we've also got our eye on europe this year looking at germany yeah and continuing to build and grow and expand in all sorts of really exciting ways and yeah 
building a team that is totally top notch and, you know, can really help us take it to the next level. And the last question, which is one I like to ask is, what do you think makes a great idea for a tech company or I guess specifically a fintech company? I feel like a lot of people feel like they've got one in them. What do you think is the difference between an okay idea and a really good idea? I guess it's about finding a market match. So you might have a really good idea, but you need to make sure that there's a need for that in the market and an appetite for it. And even if it's a brand new idea that nobody's ever seen, you need to go out there and you need to validate the idea. You need to have lots of conversations. You need to refine how you sell it. And those conversations will help you do that. It'll also help you see, are people interested? When you tell them about this idea, do they go, oh, that's, that's cool? Or do they go, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And, you know, if you get a lot of, oh my God, that's amazing, that kind of validates your idea and shows you that you should do it. And, you know, I speak to a lot of founders all the time, our clients who have grown, you know, very impressive fintech companies. And quite often, you know, the idea that they start out with is not the idea that they are today. So you might start with an idea and then, you know, two, three, four years later down the line, you're somewhere totally different. So it's about, you know, being flexible and, you know, willing to change and, you know, enjoying the journey. Mm. Catherine, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions, if that's okay, to finish okay. off. Firstly, what's the first place that you'll visit when lockdown ends, somewhere you can't wait to go back to? Peru. Peru, okay. So <laughs> well, you... I haven't been, but I tend to go to, I travel a lot extensively. I was just in Ecuador at Christmas and yeah, I uh, would really like to go to Machu Picchu. So it's on my, it's on my list and my radar. It's exactly where I'm headed when uh, lockdown's over. Okay. It sounds like you don't have a day off very often, but when you do have a day off, what's your perfect day off breakfast? My husband cooks me poached eggs every Saturday and it's a, it's a real treat. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. If you're going somewhere across the city, across Edinburgh, are you getting the bus, are you getting the taxi, are you cycling? I own a Vespa, so I drive my Vespa wherever I am going. Oh, nice. Do you have a least favorite advert at the moment? Ooh, no, not really, because I don't really watch TV, so I don't really see them. I don't have a TV. I have Netflix, but no TV, so I don't really see many adverts, especially since I don't leave the house anymore. Are you reading <laughs> anything at the moment? I, I just finished a really excellent book called Rotherwield, which my copywriter Stuart Found turned me on to, which is about a fantastical world that kind of exists outside of England. It's really good if you're into sci-fi. Do you have a musical guilty pleasure? Probably the Spice Girls, but Good I one. don't tell many people that. If a fresh breeze blowing at 10 meters per second exerts a force of a thousand newtons on a wall, what force is exerted on the same wall by a storm wind of 30 meters per second? No idea. Math that, is not my thing. That was kind <laughs> of a, that was kind of a joke. The answer is 9,000 newtons. Apparently, I took that from that was one of the questions in the university challenge final. Wow. I've got idea yeah. Really. Nope. So now you know. I don't even understand what that question means, really. I've looked at it for ages. I still don't understand. Catherine, thanks nope. so much for speaking with me. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, I guess I should let you go, really, because I'm sure you've got lots to do before the weekend hits. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks very much. So that's the end of the second episode of Fintech Mix. If you enjoyed listening, why not go ahead and subscribe as we've got loads more great guests coming up. Fintech Mix is a podcast from Say Hello to Audio. To find out more about the podcast, visit fintechmix.com.